For most preachers here in the United States, this Sunday brings with it a very big challenge. How do you connect the religious feast that we're celebrating in the church, namely Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, with the secular feast that we're observing in the wider culture, namely, of course, Mother's Day? That's the challenge. But for me, I must tell you, it's relatively easy to make this connection. Not because I'm a great preacher, but rather because of who my mother was. The connection between my mother and Pentecost is ultimately rooted in her baptism and confirmation, both of which she received in the 1930s. Since she received a sacramental outpouring of the Holy Spirit on both those occasions. But the connection between my mom and Pentecost is also rooted in another event in her life, something that happened when she was in her early 40s, and which is similar in many ways to the Pentecost event, as St. Luke describes it. In Acts chapter 2, the passage of scripture we heard today in our first reading. The event that's portrayed beautifully, again, in that final stained glass window in our church. It was 1972, as I recall. My father had just died the year before, and my mom was visiting a couple from our parish in their home which happened to be two streets over from our house in Barrington. There were several other people at this gathering, including three non-Catholics, who began to talk to everybody about things like the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit and a phenomenon that they referred to as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Some of it was confusing, and I'm pretty sure that most of the Catholics there thought that these three Pentecostal Protestants were absolutely out of their minds. But my mother listened intently and was really intrigued by what she was hearing. When they finally finished their sharing, they asked if anyone in the room wanted to be prayed with. Well, not surprisingly, none of the other Catholics present volunteered. I'm sure most of them couldn't wait to get out of there. But my mother, in her typically bold fashion, spoke up. She said, listen, I try to love Jesus Christ with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I'm a sinner like everybody else. I don't do it perfectly, but that's my intention. But if what you have can help me to love Jesus Christ more, she opened her arms and said, then I want it. The young man who was the leader said, well, okay, come here and kneel down in the middle of the room. So she did. He then led her in a brief prayer of repentance and commitment in which she asked the Lord to forgive her for her sins and in which she professed faith in Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. 
At that point, he and his friends put their hands on her head and shoulders, and they began to pray. Not formal prayers, mind you. They began to pray to Jesus, to talk to the Lord in their own words, as we speak to one another. Some of what they were praying was in English, and some of it was in this strange language that my mother didn't understand. And my mom experienced what she believed to be the presence of God. After a few minutes, the leader said, Dolores, open your mouth up and begin to praise Jesus. She did, and some words came out that she really didn't recognize. But she felt good, she felt very peaceful in this experience, so... She continued to do it. She continued to go with the flow, so to speak, the flow of the Spirit. When it was over several minutes later, they told her that she had just experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit and had prayed in tongues, as Peter and the other apostles did at Pentecost. Now, in case some of you are thinking, Father Ray, what are you talking about? This sounds really Protestant to me. If that's your reaction, and I understand it if it is. But let me make myself perfectly clear on this matter. We need to understand this. The Catholic Church recognizes as valid not only the theological gifts of the Holy Spirit, faith, hope, and charity, and the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit mentioned in Isaiah 11 that we normally associate with confirmation, wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. She not only recognizes all of those, the Catholic Church also recognizes as real and valid the so-called charismatic gifts of the Spirit, mentioned by St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, gifts like healing, and miracles, and prophecy, and the gift of tongues. In fact, you can find these gifts, which are sometimes referred to as charisms, mentioned in the Catechism, in paragraph 800 to be exact. There it says that these charisms are to be, quote, accepted with gratitude by the person who receives them, and by all the members of the church as well. We're all supposed to be grateful for these gifts, whether or not we operate, them, whether or not we operate in them ourselves. The Catechism says they are a wonderfully rich grace for the ap apostolic vitality and for the holiness of the entire body of Christ. It's interesting, probably more teenagers then adults in our parish have been exposed to these gifts. I say that because the teens see at least some of these charismatic gifts in operation at the Steubenville High School Youth Conference that we take them to in July. Most adults have probably not experienced them unless they've come to one of our monthly prayer meetings. Although I will tell you something that I have never shared from this pulpit before. I pray in tongues at every Mass. Now you really think I'm off, right? <laughs> it's one of the gifts of the Spirit. It's not the most important gift. It really is the least of the gifts. 
doesn't make me any better than anyone else. I obviously don't do it so that everybody can hear it, do it in a very low voice. But I find that gift to be a very helpful way to pray when my own words fail me. Have you ever been praying for somebody or with somebody in English and all of a sudden you run out of things to say? That's when the gift of tongues can be very useful and helpful. I mention this today for two reasons. First of all, so that we will all take the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit seriously in our lives. Because I fear that many Catholics don't. And so God isn't able to bless them as he wants to bless them. We lose out when we don't take the Holy Spirit seriously. God doesn't lose out. He's perfect in and of himself. And secondly, I mention this as a way of saying thank you to my mother. She's been gone now for almost 18 years. She passed away back in 1990. Some of you knew my mom. It's been that long, believe it or not. I've been here myself almost 20 years. But I trust that where she is right now, she can still hear me. You know, my mother taught me a lot of things. But one of the most important lessons I learned from her was to be open. Not to error, not to evil. She taught me to be open to everything that is true. Everything that deserves respect. Everything that is admirable, pure, honest, decent, virtuous, and worthy of praise, as St. Paul puts it in one of his letters. And that includes the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit. She taught me that lesson by her example, as I've hopefully just made clear. Which is simply another way of saying that my mother taught me to be Catholic in saying yes to all truth, not just the truths of the faith that I was comfortable with, but to all truth. And she taught me to say no to error. And I'll tell you, I really needed to learn that lesson because when she was first baptized in the Holy Spirit and started to go to these big prayer meetings at St. Augustine's Church in Providence, they were huge, two, three hundred people in these prayer meetings. When she started to do that, I was very uncomfortable with it. I was 15 years old. Let's face it, most teenagers think that their parents are a little strange anyway. And this just added to it for me. But it wasn't strange. And my mother wasn't strange. In this context, I should also mention that even after she became a part of the charismatic renewal, my mother's favorite type of prayer was what they call contemplative prayer. The quiet kind that you find in monasteries. In fact, even after she was baptized in the Spirit and was very involved in prayer meetings, she used to go once a month to the Carmelite Monastery in Barrington. Believe it or not, there is a monastery, Carmelite Monastery here in our state, in my hometown of Barrington. She used to go there one day a month to spend it in quiet meditation and contemplation. And probably to get away from my sister and me, who were quite loud. <laughs> so she used to do that. And yet at a prayer meeting, she could cut it loose with the best of them. <laughs> and praise God as enthusiastically, as vocally as anyone else I ever met. See, my mom was open 
to all different types of prayer, everything from the charismatic to the contemplative, provided that the Catholic Church approved of them. That was a good lesson for me to learn early on, whether I became a priest or not. So, Mom, if you can hear me, and I believe you can, on this Mother's Day I say thank you. Thank you for your love, and thank you for teaching me, by your own actions, what it means to be Catholic. I pray that everybody here can say something similar about their mother. Thank you, Mom, for teaching me to get out of my personal comfort zone and to be open to the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Thank you, Mom, for teaching me that the most important gifts of the Holy Spirit, and not the charismatic ones, thank you for teaching me that the most important gifts of the Spirit, the ones that I should pursue fervently every day, are faith, hope, and charity. As St. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, but thank you, Mom, also for showing me that I need to be open to all the Spirit's gifts if I intend to be the disciple that Jesus Christ wants me to be. And thank you, Mom, for persevering in teaching me all these things, even when I called you weird.